This is the final regular episode of Season 3 of Catalyst, an investigative podcast from KXAN News and Nexstar Media Group. I'm Josh Hinkle. This season is about inmates in Texas County jails, mentally unfit to stand trial and needing treatment to restore their competency. Hundreds of people languishing in jail as they wait for extended periods to get a bed in a state hospital. People like Adon Castaneda, the Comal County veteran suffering from PTSD and depression who shot up his mother's home one night and then bounced between jail and state hospitals for four years before trial. I can tell you a lot of stories. I remember one guy, severely mentally ill. Adon's case was just one of many stuck in that backlog that attorney Keith Hampton had taken over the years. Some were extreme. I get the case, and I see him, and I go, okay, you're being accused of murder, okay? And he is suffering from the delusion that Earth has been invaded by androids who are sent here to defile God. He thinks I'm an android, you know, I'm actually your lawyer, but you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll just leave that as a disagreement, you know. So I go to the judge and say, he's not competent. James McMeans? It is. Yeah, you've looked into that guy. I'll be damned. James McMeans was schizophrenic, and a violent run-in with a woman named Clara Oda Toriente Capote has kept him waiting more than two decades for trial. We just last week spoke to the woman that raised her son after she died. Oh, wow, God. My name is Nina Jordan, and I met Clara when she was homeless. She was 35 at the time. came into a store that I was working in selling tacos during the off months. She was really upset and I asked her what was wrong and she told me that her boyfriend had just beat her up. And I said, okay, you don't have to take this. We can find some place for you to go. And she was so skinny, you, you wouldn't believe it, but she was actually five months pregnant. When I found that out, of course, I, I, I made arrangements for her to go see a doctor. At five months in utero, he didn't even weigh a pound. She was a drug addict as well as an alcoholic, smoker, didn't eat much. I'm a mother type person, so I told her I would help her, got her into detox, got her cleaned up, got her fed. She stayed at my house. And she knew the baby was going to be uh, handicapped in some form. And the baby was born at eight months, one week, weighing six pounds, eight and a half ounces, 21 inches long. He's completely hearing impaired? Totally. Profoundly deaf. You took this child in, and you've really taken care of him and raised him over the years. I mean, even learning sign language. I'm not fluent by any means, but Jonathan and I have no problem communicating. When he was born, especially when the judge gave him to me, I prayed to God that he would send me an army of angels to help me take care of him, to help me raise him to be the best person he was going to end up being. Every time I look at him, I see her. You think she was just the most beautiful woman in the world. She is Cuban. She had a dark complexion. She could be as sweet as a kitten. 
but that didn't last long. Nina said Clara wanted to be a better person, a better mother, but her temper and poor choices could get her into trouble, like one day at an Austin gas station in September 1999. An Austin man faces murder charges in connection with the stabbing death of a woman. Police were called to a Texaco near Otorf and I-35 yesterday afternoon to break up a dispute. She went in to buy cigarettes and a Coke. She had her sunglasses on top of her head. When she came out, there was a homeless guy leaning against the car right at the entrance. As she walked by, he grabbed her glasses off her head. And she turned around to confront him. And she picks up the Pepsi cans and chases him, and starts beating him, and they wind up right there in the parking lot, and that's when all that happened. Clara swung her bag with the Coke in it and knocked him upside the head. He reached into his knapsack and pulled out a knife. And swings like this, and his knife just happened to hit right where your skull cap ends, and the knife went there. When they arrived, they found a woman in her 30s had been stabbed. The woman was pronounced dead later at Brackenridge Hospital. She's identified as Clara Oda Torrente Capote. Took one swipe on the back of the brainstem, dead instantly. 30-year-old James McMeans is charged with first-degree murder. James McMeans was found incompetent to stand trial and sent to a state hospital where he spent most of the last 21 years. Any treatment to restore his competency has been unsuccessful so far. I think it stinks. I believe in the system that we need to be able to help defend ourselves. It's not fair. I understand what happened. I forgive the guy because I don't believe it was his fault. You're holding out hope that something will happen in this case. It's kind of hard to find any kind of closure when the guy's in limbo. I just hope they can find a solution. Will there ever be closure in a case like James McMeans? The closure for James McMeans is you're in a murder trial. He's going to be prosecuted. If he's competent, it's not just the person being detained. The victims in these crimes, they're also denied justice. Justice delayed is justice denied on both sides of that issue. And what I mean by that is the person that's accused is entitled to a, a speedy trial, but society and the victim of whatever crime is entitled to also get it tried as quickly as they can. We spoke with Kirk Watson, a state senator from Austin who's pushed legislation to help speed up wait times for mentally incompetent inmates in Texas. I've felt for years that brain health is like all other health but it doesn't get the same attention and, and also doesn't get treated in the same way. Who's responsible for the problem as it exists today? Is this a legislative problem? Is it a state agency? I would put the burden on the legislature and the elected leadership of the state. I think when you just go back a few years and you look at the Cannon Report, uh, the Cannon Report was done at the behest of the legislature to look at our state hospitals. And it came back and it said of the 10 state hospitals in the state of Texas, 
five of them were essentially unsalvageable, either because the state had not kept up with keeping them up or had allowed science to pass us by. Now, while I put the blame there, I will tell you that over the last several years, the legislature has done much better in that regard. I've been very involved with trying to get the state to include academic medical schools in helping make the decisions along with the Health and Human Services Commission about what we do in the state hospitals. To talk about how we bring them together in a way where we're getting 21st century state-of-the-art brain health care. That kind of focus could someday help find a way to treat a person like James McMeans. But someone else will have to measure the success of those partnerships. Senator Watson recently retired, but hopes the next round of legislators continues his work. Is it just number of beds, or are there better ways of treating people? So can you restore that competency uh, in a setting other than the state hospital? We've talked about the handful of competency restoration programs happening inside jails across the state, but experts say it's tough to treat serious and persistent mental illness behind bars. And some people may not need the level of treatment happening in state hospitals. So we turn to an idea already happening in Watson's backyard. I'm Judge Nancy Hohengarten. I am the judge of Travis County Court at Law Number 5, which hears misdemeanor criminal cases. Right now, uh, I have about 340 cases. It started out as an effort to look at cases differently and consider how a person's mental health disorder played a role in the criminal offense. Travis County is just one of 17 out of 254 counties around the state with a mental health court. This one is based in Austin. We have specially trained attorneys, both through the Private Defender Service and the Mental Health Public Defender's Office. We have three prosecutors that focus only on mental health cases on the criminal side. And then we have a representative from the sheriff's office who knows their status in jail, their medical conditions, and so forth, as well as a representative from our local mental health authority, Integral Care. From that docket, people may be found incompetent to stand trial. And that means that they are moved to a separate docket where we can more closely monitor the progress of those cases while the individual's incompetent. In Travis County, we also have an option, which some communities do not, of a residential treatment facility, which is not the state hospital, not a lockdown facility, and it's an outpatient competency restoration program. Some individuals are able to go be restored at that facility. It takes funding and collaboration, but it may be worth it. The state is seeing success with mental health courts helping restore competency. Data from 2019 shows 33% of people in Texas jail-based programs were successfully restored, compared to this outpatient approach with 42%. The thing that I consider to be a success is that I believe that the outcomes for individuals is more just and more fair. 
It's a very compelling need. It can be heart-wrenching. It's difficult to see families with members that are mentally ill. Comal County doesn't have a mental health court, so Adon Castaneda never had that option. Just thinking about him being in there and going what he was going through. I don't know what I would have done had I been the one in jail. I don't know. It's, it was a terrifying experience, I think. His mother, Maria, says knowing he was waiting so long for trial was even scarier than the night he shot bullets into her house. Once he was finally deemed competent, a judge found him not guilty of some of the charges he faced and not guilty by reason of insanity for the others. That ruling meant he would be under court supervision until 2031 and must still seek treatment. So for now, he's back in the state hospital. It's going on a year. He's been on his medication since May. I call him every day. Hello. Hey, Don. How are you doing? Okay. I'm all right. You know, just working with my doctor, I'm just working with my treatment team and uh, my psychologist. And I do get psychosocial therapy every Friday. We pretty much talk about goals and future goals, um, you know, things about the past, things in the present, you know, anything on my mind. Uh, and we work stuff out, you know, so... You know, I get a better perception and understanding of, you know, what's going on. You know, we're going to start like horticulture. We're going to be like growing uh, vegetables and stuff like that. And uh, the, the certified occupational therapist said we could eat the vegetables like once we grow them. Uh, hopefully I'm not here that long for a vegetable to grow. Hopefully I just get to water it a few times and I'm out of here by then. Mm-hmm. It's okay here. They're working on my discharge. I just got a letter from my lawyer today. Okay. And, uh, hopefully within the next month or two or yeah. month and a half or something like that. Okay. I'm looking at discharge, getting back out there, going to school, expanding my relationships okay. and just having a regular life and uh, not being stuck here. And, you know, yeah, I'm doing a lot better now. When I get out, I'm going to go back to college. Um, I am going to study for my criminal justice degree, you know, pursue a career, something like um, either in mental health counseling, uh, drug addiction counseling, you know, and try to just make a difference, you know, a positive difference. Adon told us the biggest difference maker in his own life was his mother. I'm very thankful that nothing happened the day that I, I lost my mind and no one got hurt. And uh, she's been there, she's been supportive. Not everyone has a person that can help them navigate. He's lucky to have someone like you in his corner, I think. I love my son. I do anything for him. And I would do that for any one of my children. It's been a struggle, you know, at first, but we've been able to um, build our relationship. I think, I think uh, things are going to be okay. Thank you, and I'll call you again a little bit later, okay, hon? I'll talk to you later. Love All right, you, love you. Bye. We'll update you ahead of the next legislative session in 2021, as state lawmakers continue considering possible solutions to reduce the mental health backlog in Texas jails. For more details on their progress, to watch our investigative docuseries, and to find resources to get help, go online now to LockedInLimbo.com. And while this episode wraps up Adon's story for now, check back in one week for a bonus episode where our team sits down for an in-depth conversation with Karen Reynes, the executive director of the National Alliance on Mental Illness Central Texas. So I think we've got to get really creative, and I think we've got to have public officials that are bold and fearless in addressing what is, I think, one of the biggest public health issues that we've faced in a while. She brings insight into mental health, criminal justice, and how families can better navigate 
navigate the system. You won't want to miss it. Catalyst is reported, produced, and edited by me, Josh Hinkle, along with David Barrere, Arzo Dost, and Chris Nelson. Digital support for this episode comes from Dax Dobbs, Stephanie Dockery, Rachel Garza, Eric Henriksen, Eric Leffenfeld, Matt Mitchell, Martin Sanchez, Robert Sims, and Kate Winkle. KXAN's news director is Chad Cross, and its vice president and general manager is Eric Lasberg. Music